Welcome, everyone, to the AI and Business Podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest is Aaron Chamberlain, Senior Medical Director of the Musculoskeletal Clinical Program at Intermountain Health. Intermountain is a U.S.-based, not-for-profit healthcare system with over 350 clinics and 30 hospitals in the Intermountain West, located in Salt Lake City, Utah. Aaron joins us on the program today to talk about the biggest challenges facing healthcare leaders when it comes to driving patient access and improved outcomes. Throughout the episode, Aaron addresses the problem of tech debt and the role that emerging generative AI capabilities can play in ensuring doctors are spending more time interfacing with patients than in tedious administrative tasks. Without further ado, here's our conversation. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Matt, thanks for having me. Looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Really great to be talking to folks from Intermountain Health. We're getting a really strong reading on where the frictions are in the patient experience. It's been a really incredible year, I would say, in in terms of how we've been looking at the healthcare space, kind of noticing that this is really coming to fruition. Like even a year ago, it, it felt a little bit like, patient experiences. You don't want to make it sound too much like customer experiences in financial services because patients are not categorically customers. That stigma seems to have gone away kind of the the same way that, you know, the talking point about AI is here to kill all the jobs. That same stigma seems to have gone away. There's a lot more nuance in the conversation. This is where we love to play. And now that we can kind of, you know, get past all those stigmas, I'm wondering from your perspective, what do you see as the biggest problems currently facing healthcare leaders when it comes to driving quality in patient experiences? Yeah, Matt, you've kind of hit the nail on the head. I think this is an area of focus that we at Intermountain have as other health systems as well. We have a large, complicated U.S. healthcare system that's very difficult for our patients to navigate. When we survey patients and really try to understand their experience, this is a common theme. It's difficult for them to understand where to go to seek help for their particular problem or challenge. It's hard for them to navigate, even after seeing a primary care physician, how do they get to the right provider at the right time in the right place? And so this kind of morass of, uh, you know, buildings, real estate, insurance companies, et cetera, becomes very challenging for patients. So one of our areas of focus is really how to make that from the patient perspective, a lot more seamless, a lot more inviting and a lot more accessible to help get them to the right place at the right time. But this is certainly a common feature or challenge that our patients voice to us. Absolutely. And when you look at kind of the parallels, because it, it, it seems a lot, I know I've had this conversation with Dr. Nilay Jessel, the chief medical officer at Athena Health, who's been on the show over the summer, a couple of folks from IQVIA as well, in that where we see healthcare looking at financial services, looking at how they've you know engendered workflows in, in terms of customer experience. The thing about financial services, and they will tell you this, this is not any you know, dark secret or terrible fact of of the industry. But up until about like 10 years ago, they were really looking at call centers as the place to shoo the customer off and basically ignore them, you know, in that it's supposed to be like the DMV. Now that expectation is a profit center because those expectations are so low and the technology has the ability to bring it up. So no wonder that healthcare has looked at banks and said, well, they took what they had, which was basically the DMV. And 
they turned it around. Now nobody really thinks of banks that way, especially banks. When you get financial services folks on the line, they will tell you customer expectations are going through the roof. It's really the customer saying, you know, this shouldn't be like the DMV anymore. It's 2023. I can buy Empire Strikes Back, you know, online for 20 bucks. I don't need to go to a video store. Why can't my ATM be the same way? I'm wondering in healthcare, though, because especially in your last answer, you're putting a finer point on where patient expectations are. It does sound like in stark contrast to banking, healthcare, well, patient expectations seem to be relatively low, not not terrible. Yes, it yes, it is a convoluted system. Yes, it's recovering from, you know, a massive influx of regulations, even from 10 years ago with the ACA, a lot of dust settling from HIPAA, how, how EHR data susses out the point of that all being, you know, for the sake of billing, not to facilitate care. I'm wondering what read do you get on patient expectations? Because it does seem this is like more the healthcare industry saying that we need to fix this, not the patient expectations really leading that effort. Do I have that wrong? No, I think you've, that's some great insight. I think uh, there are I think two ways to look at that with patient expectations you know, the customer service aspect of how are we serving patients better? And I think you're right. Patients have probably grown to learn that their expectations within the U.S. healthcare is not, they're not expecting the seamless kind of white glove experience, you know, guiding them or shepherding them through this system, which it's, to me, it's a little sad that the expectations are so low. And I think we have a lot of room to improve. But there's the other side of this getting patients navigated from the health system side, where there's not just a patient expectation or customer satisfaction aspect, there's a huge cost aspect. So what we what we find is that when patients are struggling with navigation and they're they're seeking out care, oftentimes that leads to unnecessary visits, more numerous visits, or visits in a more expensive venue like an emergency department. Right. So right. we start to see there's a, a big cost center there, and an approach to try to hone in and refine that process benefits the health system, the payer, and the patient. Altogether. So that's one of those examples around where if we have a perspective around what is of value to the patient, right. it's of likely of value to the system and the payer and all those healthcare stakeholders. Absolutely. Now, now for even folks like my mom or my grandparents to whom, you know, AI has maybe only popped up in the last few years and Gen AI is kind of like this Sputnik Ed Sullivan show moment for artificial intelligence. Really, Gen AI seems bigger than than AI in terms of the culture. But we know from behind the scenes that a big reason for kind of these explosions in these kind of step function technologies, like the next level up that that really rises all the boats in terms of capabilities is things like real-time data. And we know this in the manufacturing space. We know this is making a huge difference in terms of the AI systems that are used to track, is the shipment coming on time? And making sure that as the shipments come on time, you never have machines or downtime, you know, on the factory floor. Now, I'm wondering, where is the state of kind of real-time data in, in healthcare? Because I know setting up patient appointments, even with all the red tape, verifying that this is absolutely the appointment they need, doing that in real time, it seems like real-time data still needs to work its way into that space. I totally agree. And I think in this part of healthcare, we'll say this access or patient navigation aspect, I think is is a real opportunity perhaps to utilize AI. We found mm. at the front end, you know, trying to help patients access the healthcare system at the right point with the right provider really benefits from a, we'll say a clinically informed discussion, a brief clinically yeah. informed discussion where instead of a 
just a person managing telephones and responding to phone calls and trying their best to help a patient navigate. If it's, a say, an athletic trainer or a nurse or somebody receiving that phone call, then they are able to have, within a few questions, understand, does this person need to see a surgeon? Does this person need to see a primary care physician or another type of specialist? Now, along those lines, that as we've expanded that, we find that that's, that requires a, a large group or fleet of human beings with expertise. And AI presents an opportunity where we can maybe scale those people and that knowledge at the front end of that access of care to patients where uh, with some decision support through AI would be able to benefit that process and scale it in a way that can reach and benefit more patients. Absolutely. I know we have an agenda point from our outline to talk about tech debt here. All that said, I've had a couple of recent conversations, a couple of episodes that will have already aired by the time this all goes live with with some folks across healthcare systems, just in terms of not just, you know, the typical problems with tech debt, basically that there's too much of it. There's too many buttons to click for doctors. And this creates huge stigmas when there are new technological developments. Everybody says, well, why do we want to add more to the stack, even if it's going to make things easier. Why are we even going to take that risk when the stack is a mess to begin with? All at the same time, an emerging trend, especially for generative AI I'm seeing in healthcare, is a lot of healthcare systems say, don't give us the latest. Give us the models that are two years old and have the requisite training. Give us technologies that are tested. You know, we're inside the adoption cycle. You know, we're towards the end of the adoption cycle in terms of of how these things get mass adopted. You know, put us there so we have tested technology, not extremely experimental stuff. I'm wondering about Intermountain's approach here, or even just where you see this in the industry between kind of that tug and pull of let's have the latest, we're already saddled with with too much tech, and maybe it's just better to use the old stuff and update only with caution and data to inform that. Yeah, I think you're right. With the tech debt in healthcare, I think there, there's little capacity, you know, extra capacity to try to trial or pilot a lot of these things. And so I think a thoughtful approach is useful. I think you're right. The reflex of many is to say, let's not be early adopters in these in these technologies. Right. Let's let's try to wait, see how it plays. And and a lot of that has to do just with the overutilization of the time and expertise in healthcare where people feel strapped already. There's too many clicks, as you mentioned, there's too much exigency on their time and effort. So there's not a lot of capacity or willpower to try these things. Our approach within Intermountain is we have a we have a, a large area of focus and a tradition around healthcare delivery innovation. And our approach has been to try to identify areas where we can innovate as pilots within our system, iterate, learn from those things, and then scale as appropriate. And so we do a lot of that work internally. Granted, we're a large organization, but we do a lot of that work internally through those selective pilots where we try to identify a problem, make sure we understand the problem that we're trying to solve, and then develop, utilize tech or and 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 pilot that tech in that particular area. And that may be, and, and we try to be thoughtful about where we pilot those things in areas that are not overly strained, in in you know, with with providers that are engaged who are who share that kind of uh, interest and enthusiasm to develop and iterate in some of those areas. So we we partner a lot with providers. We try to be thoughtful about that, but it's certainly not a top-down, here's where we're gonna go with an unproven technology. Absolutely. I think the folks from outside of healthcare who will still absolutely tune into this, they'll be interested in your answer, especially because I think in 
this year of the especially Gen AI explosion, we've had all the hype, not only around the amazing features of the technology, also the downsides, the misinformation, things that make it very difficult to integrate into the healthcare space. Just with your with what you're saying about innovation and pilots, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about maybe the compliance systems or the review systems involved in making sure that they are compliant with what we know is a very regulated regulated space in healthcare. Great question. So our approach usually is it is it pertains to you know what we'll say clinical best practices. We we don't compromise on our clinical best practices. We have a long history of watching and observing and responding to data. So complication rates, patient satisfaction rates, all different types of outcomes. We have established long and mature or long-standing and mature data systems and reporting systems around that data. So we watch it closely. And, and when we pilot something, we will, we will kind of focus in on that data and make sure we don't see any sort of deterioration in outcomes or adverse effects of those, of those pilots. But I think the first step is really to have data to measure as you're trying a pilot, you need to understand how is it, how is it achieving your goals or is it being a detriment? And so I think a first step to any innovation in this, in healthcare, especially given that we mentioned the financial kind of industry earlier, we're not dealing with, we're dealing with things that are not recoverable, right? So these are patients' lives, their health. So we want to be very thoughtful about when we develop new ideas and iterate. But before we try any of that, we make sure we have the systems ready and applied to measure the outcomes related to those pilots. Absolutely. And I'll say in financial services, their attitudes are changing. It, it, it is really incredible to see this process of both industries looking at each other because now banking and finance, not that they had really looked down on their customers before, but just that kind of DMV attitude from, from 10 years ago of, you know, it's supposed to stink. It's customer service, you know, <laughs> get that kind of attitude. Like, like, oh, that's where, that's where we go to, to make sure the, the, you know, customers are as far away from the C-suite as possible. Now they couldn't be getting any closer. And there's been, I think we're, like I was saying at the beginning of the episode, we're over this kind of stigma of like, oh, you don't want to you don't want to call it uh, a patient, a customer. All at the same time, it looks like FinServe customers are getting patient treatment and their status is becoming elevated in that industry. So to quote the kids, we love to see it, especially here yeah. uh, on the AI and Business Podcast. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute blast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. For more on the topics that Aaron and I discussed today, along with a lot of the larger points in terms of AI's intersection with healthcare that I think are particularly relevant to those leaders who got a lot out of today's show, don't forget to check out the November 14th, 2023 episode of the AI and Business Podcast. That's with Duke University Health Systems Medical Director Dan Buckland. That episode is called New Approaches to AI and Patient Experiences, talking a lot about using two-year-old models and really taking this not quite aesthetic approach to the technology, but more of a wait-and-see-what's-successful approach to the technology. Very fascinating stuff. Next, I would also point our listeners to the August 31st, 2023 episode of the AI and Business Podcast with Centaur Labs CEO Eric Duhame. Really interesting stuff. That episode is called Overcoming Healthcare Challenges with Generative AI and Deep Learning. I think there's a lot of discussion going on in this space about how to deploy generative AI and the amount of expert feedback 
that healthcare leaders will need to have in the model development phase of building those systems and making sure that those technologies have enough context in order to always tell the truth and always give accurate information and even go as far as to deliver that information in a way that's perfectly curtailed to its audience, whether that audience is native English speakers or doctors themselves or patients. It's really, really fascinating stuff. I can't recommend those two episodes enough. On behalf of our CEO and head of research, Daniel Fagella, as well as the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for joining me today, and we'll catch you next time on the AI and Business Podcast. 